Good evening. This is Crime Classics. I am Thomas Highland with another true story of crime. Listen. That's the way a room sounds. A particular room in a narrow street in Edinburgh, Scotland. Someplace on the wall there was a drip. When the room was still, when there was a lodger in it, asleep, that was the sound. But listen again. That's the way it sounded when it rained, because the room was just below gutter level, and the rainwater rushed by the room's only window. Many lodgers caught cold in this room. They were lucky. Many other lodgers wound up on a dissecting table. They were murdered by Mr. Burke, who smothered, by Mr. Hare, who held. So tonight, my report to you, if a body need a body, just call Burke and Hare. Crime Classics. A series of true crime stories from the records and newspapers of every land, from every time. Your host each week, Mr. Thomas Highland, connoisseur of crime, student of violence, and teller of murders. Now, once again, Mr. Thomas Highland. Edinburgh in 1826, a city famous for lassies, laddies, people coming through the rye, scotch, kilties, and medical schools. It is this last I'd like to speak a word about. Now, when a student entered medical school, he studied anatomy right off. No Roman in the gloaming. Enter school, cut up a cadaver. Except there weren't enough cadavers. Executed criminals were the only legitimate source of supply. Therefore, a new occupation sprang up and flourished. Grave snatching, piecework in corpses, rob a grave of its contents and sell it to science. Yet, the supply didn't meet the demand. So, as in every profession, there were those who looked for shortcuts. Burke and Hare came up with one. They owned that room I told you about. A room in Tanner's Close. I'm tired of waiting for him to die, Burke. Go look at him. Yes, I can't tell whether he's breathing or not. The old man's so skinny, so sick. Here if his heart beats. It beats. Such a skinny man. Such a sick, skinny man. Such a sick, skinny old man. And he will not die. Burke. Aye? The other who sought lodging here and who died brought us eight pounds. Aye. This one? Aye. He's older than the last. Dr. Knox will not be happy of him. However, we should not accept less than eight pounds. Aye. Hair. Is there more whiskey hair? Nor food. Oh. Nothing. Nothing save an old, sick, skinny man who takes space and will not die. It's so cold, Oh, well, my hands be numb. Whiskey would warm them from the fingertips. From the fingertips... Hair. Aye? Hair. Say it, man. If this old man were to die this minute... If we were to stuff him in the tea chest this minute... And walk with him to the anatomy laboratory of Dr. Knox... And Dr. Knox pays upon delivery... We would have whiskey in a half hour from now. Well, that is, if this old man were to die this minute. But well, that would be murder. It would. 
Have you ever done a thing like that? No, 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 no. Such an old man. To lie sick. To suffer in a cold room. Wet room. No family to give him comfort. Ah, poor old man. Back. Aye. To kill him would be to bruise him. Dr. Knox perhaps would not accept a corpse unprettied by bruises. However... What? However, if I... If I put my hand over his nose and mouth like this... Jamie, at such a time like... Oh, such a time to come. his feet here so he'll not kick. I lad like that. Is he dead? I'll listen to his heart. Is he dead? Is he dead? Is he dead? lecturing gentlemen to insist upon it I, I suggest enough words dr. Knox take a look hmm? now, was it worth calling you away for doctor uh, half hour dead I'd say less wouldn't you say here oh I'd say it was worth more than eight pounds fine specimen fresh ten pounds I'm not a quibbler gentlemen as a matter of fact I'm on record as saying that quibbling is a the lectures in the other room doctor uh, just give us the tenor. Certainly. Dear. Thank you. Ah. Two bodies in a week, gentlemen. Basis for an acquaintanceship, do you know, think? Therefore, if I might make a suggestion. Suggest away. Two bodies in a week. Both male. My students, when they will become physicians, will be called upon to administer to both sexes. Therefore, you want a lady. Good day, gentlemen. I must back to my students. Dr. Knox had more students than anybody. He was much admired in the city of Edinburgh, a man of culture and wit and an excellent surgeon. A democratic man, he got along as well with the aristocracy of the city as with its murderers. A proof? Ain't that Dr. Knox a nice gent, hey? A ruggy-boo, a danny man. <laughs> proof, as furnished by Burke and Hare. Two fellows with ten, uh, less what they paid for a bottle. He said he wanted a lady. Have a drink. Aye. A real ruggy-boo, that Dr. Knox. Rick. And arm in arm, they walked through the slums of Edinburgh. And they looked fine against this background. Rags and bones and cat skin and human hair and cast off shoes. 
trinkets and fish heads. Second-hand goods pervade to people who are dying the instant they were born. Stalls of tatters, shops of fragments and shame, alleys and filth, ten years old. And through it, chameleons, Burke and Hare. Have a drink, Mr. Hare. <laughs> Have a drink. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, lad. Have a drink. Oh, no. Here's a coin, lad. Thank you. You got a song I can sing for you? Oh, have a drink, lad. Oh, no, sir, Mr. Burke. Oh, no, sir, Mr. Burke. <laughs> like an angel, he says it. <laughs> angel with cheek like down between my fingers. Have a drink. No, sir. No, you run. Give the coin to your mother, boy. Thank you. Come along, Hare. I... Uh, I was saying, Hare... About Dr. Knox, you were saying. Aye. What his lack was. What he said he's needing. Have a drink. Hey, there's no more in it, Hare. <laughs> Ain't me wanting a drink. Aye, there's a place. Aye. A bottle of your finest. Aye, that's the word, barman. The finest. The finest for Burke and Hare. <laughs> uh, have a drink, Mr. Hare. Uh, yeah. mm. uh, have a drink, Burke. Hey, Billy Burke! Mary, Mary, Mary. A lady. Such as ladies are in this corner of Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Tell me a one so I can do a laughing too. A fable, Mary. Pretty Mary. Bonny Mary. And not for your ears. In what of my ears? Oh, dainty and little pearl shells. <laughs> <laughs> give us a kiss. Uh, give us a copper. Good, Mary. Yeah, have a copper, Mary. Give us a kiss, Mary. Uh, a bargain's a bargain, ain't it? Such pretty shoulders on you. What'd you say? Uh, such pretty shoulders. Uh, you're a darling. Now, is it true, Mary, was painted by an artist? Uh, true. A dolly lad with a beard. A tickling beard. Aye, <laughs> uh, Mary. A kiss a copper. You need lodgings tonight, Mary. Aye. One more copper and I can pay for it. Uh, I got a clean room, a lodgings room. Next to my cobbling shop, I got one. Aye, I've heard. And, and from the looks of your shoes, Mary, you could stand some cobbling. Uh, with what money? For free. Now, ain't them pretty words, Mary? For free. Oh. <laughs> for free. Cobbling for your pretty feeties. And, 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 and a clean bed. Now, come along, Mary. What trick? Come along, Mary. Is it a trick? Now, come along, Mary. You wouldn't have played a trick, would you? <laughs> you just come along. Oh, very well. Burke and Hare and Mary Patterson went to the room under the gutter. 
and Mary took off her shoes to Cabo. <laughs> and she lay down in bed to sleep. Ah, she was very beautiful. are listening to Crime Classics and your host, Thomas Highland. This land is your land. This land is my land. This land was made for you and me. Everybody knows which company produces most of the world's tomato soup, but few know where the tomatoes come from. Not too many are aware of the vast tomato fields of New Jersey. Canning tomatoes isn't New Jersey's only claim to fame, however. The Miss America Beauty Pageant is held annually in Atlantic City, which also has delicious saltwater taffy and an amusement park with no roller coaster. Better than a roller coaster ride, though, or at least quieter, is a ferry ride across the Delaware from Cape May, about 45 miles from the boardwalk by way of Stone Harbor, with its nesting egrets and herons. Unfortunately, the casual observer seldom sees the richness of growing things or the beauty of the birds. He more often notices the swampy meadows, the towns and cities huddled along the railroad, the sign, Trenton makes, the world takes. It is usually the native New Jerseyite who delights in beaches such as Wildwood, the rolling farms of Monmouth County, the dairy country and gentle mountains of western New Jersey. One native thought that he would never see a poem lovely as a tree. Could be he was referring to the proud red oak, symbolic of the Garden State. And now once again, Thomas Highland and the second act of Crime Classics. And his report to you on If a Body Need a Body, Just Call Burke and Hare. In the winter of 1826, Edinburgh was a talk again about the latest appearance of the Loch Ness Monster. And speaking of lochs, Edinburgh was also a talk about the Loch Fenwick Imbroglio, whereby Sir Angus McDermott was stripped of his tartan and forced to flee with his six sons to the Netherlands, where they were received with snickers by the populace. Having been thus rocked, Edinburgh was little prepared for what was in store. For in Tanner's Close, a street that spilled into a pigsty, there lived two men... As sure as my name is Billy Burke, she's a pretty. And Billy Burke's friend, Billy Hare. Aye, and a bonny sleeper. Aye. Hold, hold her. Is she dead? Is she dead? Said I. Tell me, is she? What's gotten to you, man? And such a bonny sleeper. So. Why must I slap you so, man? Tell me a thing, Burke. Aye. That pretty thing. Is she dead? I said it. Now what's gotten to you? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Didn't you feel the slaps, man? Oh. Well, what is it? 
she'll be dead. Aye, she'll fetch 20 pounds in a dead market. Aye. Now, give us a hand. What, what did you do to her? Hair! Mm. Billy, hair, what? Oh. Hair! Oh. Oh. The thing you did to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gutter right above the only window in the room. Then... Carrying her in this rain. Let's wait a bit. Maybe it'll stop. And they sat there, the two of them. Their presence making complete the nightmare scene. The room of moistened shadows. Of a girl dead. Of a heaping of rags in the corner. Clothes of two others who had died there. And outside, the thin yelping... And outside, the thin hand still outstretched. I need out of here, Burke. I? I need out of here, Burke. Fetch the tea chest. I need out of here, Burke. I. I lad. that you invited me for tea, Dr. Knox. A ritual, sir. To all who come to me to learn. I, um, I like to get to know my young doctors. <laughs> no doctor yet. Ah, uh, but as good as one. It is said from London north to here, in all of the cities there is no greater teacher in the field of anatomical study than you, sir. They say that. Wherever doctors gather, <laughs> those who have studied with you are assured of a future. Uh, uh, hold your thought, young man. I'll return in a moment. Oh, close your lamp, Dr. Knox. Quick, man, who is it? Bert, Burke and Hayer. And the teacher. Oh, inside. Quickly. Eh? Well, what have you? You made a suggest the last time we were here to deliver, Doctor. Well, well. Show him. Aye. How close your lamp when you look what we've brought you. Good. Good. Twenty pounds good. That good? Yeah. Twenty pounds. Here. Thank you. What? What's the matter, Doctor? Why is her hand clenched so tightly? Why, I, I'm sure, sir, that... Well, let's have a look. Yeah. Let's on. Tighten. There. Ah. Two coppers. I wonder. You wonder what, Doctor? Such a pretty she is. Why to be clenching so tight? 
the two coppers in her hand. Why, I wonder that too. Oh, yes, so do I. I have a guest. Good evening, gentlemen. Sir, I believe you're holding a thought. What is it? Eventually, it stopped raining, and life went on in the alleys of Edinburgh, and over the counters and stalls, the second-hand things were bartered for, became necessities for a time, and were bartered again. And from these alleys, 16 people known disappeared. Sixteen people to whom death, too, was somehow second-hand, having known dying every day of their existence. One of them... Twenty pounds lie Give the boy a copper, Mr. Hare. Aye. Here, catch. Hunky. <laughs> now, come along and I'll cobble you a pair of shoes, lad. Oh, I, I, I don't... Uh... Oh, for free, lad. For free. Funky, funky. And two days later, around the corner and down the street and up a hall and through a gate and up a walk and through a door. Now, if you'll come closer, young doctors, you will see how an incision from the umbilicus to this point, the sternum, then laterally... Dr. To... Knox. A moment, please, sir, and I'll answer the question... Such an incision made with... Uh, Dr. Knox. Oh, such insistence. Very well. Not very well at all, however. I I'm sure this boy has been murdered. Murdered? Two nights ago, I saw this boy. He was singing a song in Tanner's Close. Tanner's Close? That garbage scowl? This boy is known as Jamie. I know, for I spoke with him. And he sang a song for me. And he was well. And, sir? Aye? There is a bruise here. Come, look close here. At his throat. Surely that is a bruise. Young sir, what are you after? So much talk of how bodies are obtained for dissection. Therefore... Young sir, what are you after? Surely you would not condone murder as a source of supply. Young sir, you have not answered my question. When I have asked you, what are you after? I mean, is it to become a physician? Yes, sir. And a healer? Yes, sir. And knowledgeable in your profession? Yes, sir. Then admit, sir, that the study of the human body is a prime requisite. Of course. Return to your place, sir. Yes, sir. The incision I now make from the umbilicus toward this point on the sternum No. You want to buy rags, bones, feathers? You want what? to sell. And what to sell? Come see. Where? I've got a place. Rags. A big bag full. I'll come to look. Then come. Come. A bit. This be my son-in-law, gents. Mind the stall, Gray. I'll go with these gents to buy. Feathers! Rags! 
place. In Tanner's Close, near the end. Near the pigsty? Aye. Oh, love me. How can you live there? Some say it is difficult, Granny. Come, come. Speak of, son. My Mimsy. Who be you? I'm Gray, Mimsy's son-in-law. Mimsy, who you took last night. Ah. Who you took last night to Celty. She didn't return. All the night long awaited. Why, lad? Why? Where is she? She's gone. I gone. To, to where did my Mimsy go? Gentle lad, gentle. Away with your hand. Such a big lad. Such a big... What's that? Now, lad, now. Mimsy's shawl. A mistake, lad. Mimsy's shawl. And here, the shirt of her. And blood. Now, gentle lad, uh, now here, uh, take a fiver and... Blood, take... blood. All these rags. Mimsy! Hold him back, I'll get me a knife. Here's Mimsy. Uh, Under the rags is Mimsy. Please, 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 The boy finally got himself understood by the police. They came then to Tanner's Close and found Mimsy. Then they found Burke and Hare. Then they were asked if they had anything to do with Mimsy's death. I done it. And to 17 others? Just like that. Confessed. For some reason that history makes obscure or just doesn't like to talk about, Hare was let free. Burke, however, suffered the last penalty of the law. He was brought to the gibbet, his heart pounding. The rope was placed about his neck. And his body was delivered to Dr. Monroe's academy, where it was dissected by young sirs on their way to becoming doctors. And Dr. Knox, and Dr. Knox, buyer of murdered men, he fled from scandal and disappeared. But one source has it that he was seen some ten years later walking the narrow street in Edinburgh called Tanner's Close. Walking northward toward the pigsty. Burke and Hare, tonight's crime classic, was adapted from the original court reports and newspaper accounts by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. The music was composed and conducted by Bernard Herman, and the program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Thomas Highland is portrayed on radio by Lou Merrill. In tonight's story, Jack Crucian was heard as Mr. Burke and Jay Novello as Mr. Hare. Featured in tonight's cast were William Johnstone, Jeanette Nolan, Charles Davis, Betty Harford, and Richard Peel. Bob Lamont speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.